years and got here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus Ako, and I'm very excited to announce that the Paris International Film Festival 2022 has begun! Yay! Yep, it's producer Dave here, and I'm very, very pleased as well. I cannot wait to dive into some of those films. Yeah, so the, the film festival, the Paris International Film Festival started on the 10th of February, which was Thursday, uh, and it's going to be running until the 20th of February. Go onto the website, go and check out all of the wonderful filmmakers we've been interviewing, tons of them. And in fact, it's such a jam-packed episode. We've got a few more in this episode, so I'm going to stop ranting on about random stuff, and I'm just going to jump straight into film and TV news. listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we are here with another set of filmmakers whose film is in the Paris International Film Festival. I'll get them to introduce themselves. One of them is actually someone who's been on the show before. I'll let that person introduce themselves and introduce the other guest with us. So take it away. Hi, I'm Simone McIntyre, and I am the producer of A Tree Fell Today. 
And Simone, you've brought somebody with you. Please introduce Oliver to us. And I have brought with us the wonderful director of A Tree Fell today, Oliver Crawford. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome, Oliver. Thank you very much for joining the show. We'll talk about uh, Simone's other project in a few minutes, but let's talk to you first. Um, tell us this this film that you that you are that you have directed uh, a tree fell today. Tell us what is that film about? Uh, okay, essentially, a tree fell today um, is a story about a young lady um, who goes into a sort of virtual reality style psychiatry to deal with the uh, death of their young child and subsequent suicide of her wife. And what inspired you to tell this story? I mean, it was a film, we kind of wanted to make something quite hard hitting um, that was sort of, you know, it's gonna be a hard movie to make and sort of even harder to watch um, and to really get people talking about a variety of subjects which people don't often discuss and things I want to deal with, um, such as death, grief, dealing with somebody who's going through grief and, and mental health, which obviously at the time of everything we've been through, I think is even more prevalent now um, than it was at the time of us making this really. No, that makes, it makes total sense considering uh, the statistics would have shown how mental health obviously uh, deteriorated because of the pandemic, lockdowns, et cetera. Suicide rates spiked because of it as well. So that sort of tie-in, as you said, you wanted to talk about something that was prevalent and a prevailing issue in society. And suicide is one that touches a very raw nerve. We interviewed another film that has the same sort of theme uh, with regards to suicide. Now, I wanted to ask you as a filmmaker who's focusing on such a strong message, what in a sense should people take away from uh, A Tree Fell Today about those particular themes that you're exploring? I mean, I think that in a subtle way, we tried to make the um, the title kind of the answer to that question, really. So, you know, if a tree falls in an empty forest and no one's ever hear it, does it happen? So, I mean, it's like, I think this is something we all go through, especially mental health side, at some point in our life. And obviously we'll all have to deal with grief. So and I think it's about just having the conversation and knowing that you can talk to people and the potential dangers of sort of isolating that within yourself and not allowing other people in and not not expressing to people how you feel. And it's quite normal to feel the variety of emotions that people feel. And just to really start that conversation and know that you're probably not on your own, you know, and there are people there for you. And it's about, yeah, again, like I said, just having that conversation really. Okay, uh, Simone, how did you get tied into the project? Um, through a mutual friend of that we, we both had a connection in common and they just shared the project with me and I liked what I read actually that was an earlier draft but you know similar themes and I'm glad glad I jumped on board and you came board as a producer uh, running through the project uh, uh, this particular project it's a it's a short it's currently playing at the uh, Paris International Film Festival from February the 10th to the 20th with regards to research into the into this film again I mentioned the fact that statistics have shown how suicide rates have spiked due to COVID and the pandemic. What sort of research did uh, either of you do before going into this project, before writing the script and before making this film? Research wise, I feel that this was, I had a personal connection to this, this story, um, which was why I wanted to do it in um, sort of one of my close friends passing away. So that, that was kind of the beginning of it. So a lot of it was quite um, real. So I don't think necessarily research was the right way. 
But with anything like this, you know, you want to make sure you take it seriously and you have those conversations and elements of this film I had, which was based on an original script written by a colleague of mine um, who had gone through some elements of that, especially with the, um, the issue with the child uh, they had, um, which then became quite a prevalent thing. So I obviously had to treat that quite delicately. delicately. Um, so that is something that I had to kind of speak to people about and make sure I was dealing with it in the correct, correct manner because it was quite an important element to the story. And obviously you want to make sure that's done correctly. Um, so there was, yeah, a lot of that, I think. Um, and just, again, sitting with the actors, sitting with people, the creatives involved, having those conversations. And as Simone said, a lot of what brought people to the project was the script um, and was the kind of rewrite that we ended up with, which was quite a solid story that kind of really pushed you forward. And I think people involved were obviously had elements of each part of the story they could relate to um, and really wanted to get out there. Excellent. You listen to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have with us uh, the writer and director of the film A Tree Fell Today, Oliver Crawford, as well as the producer uh, Simone McIntyre telling us about their film, which is in the Paris International Film Festival 2022, running from February the 10th to the 20th. We recommend you go and find that festival, check out this film uh, while you can. This film has been picking up many awards. It's already doing its fest uh, the festival circuit um, at the IndieX Film Festival. You picked up Best Director um, as well as uh, Best LGBT Short at the Real Festival. It also picked up something, um, uh, winner Ju the July Award, Real Sister. So it's already started racking up uh, awards on its festival path. When do you see, or do you see sort of uh, an opportunity for pe people who are not, maybe not able to see this particular film at the film festivals, do you see anybody having an opportunity to be able to watch this film outside of the festival uh, circuit? Yeah, we've been, we've been talking about, uh, we've been talking about uh, distribution possibilities. So we'll be looking at getting a release out so it can be shared by everybody. And it's just important to find the right home for the piece as well, not just to, you know, release it for the sake of it. So yeah, we've been talking about that. Of course, and Simone, as this is a short, because there was, a, you know, just looking at the idea of having a short being uh, out there in the public for other filmmakers who are looking at making their own film, who are listening to this, who are thinking of starting with a short as well. Uh, mm -hmm. What sort of avenues can they uh, follow that isn't just the festival circuit that they can follow with their short? So they can expect, okay, I know that obviously I can use my, uh, short film to go down the festival route to get people interested in my own uh, skill set. But what happens after that? Do you then park your short or what What avenues are there that you think you can explore that you can recommend to other people? To recommend. So you'd be looking, it depends. I think you need to start off with the audience that you have. So if you have something, you need to decide what the age range is that, the, that is the focus of your um film so for example if you have like a something that appeals to the youth you might be looking at a youtube channel um you might be looking at um a, a streamer if the audience are older you might be looking at if it's quite artistic or then you might be looking at something like a vimeo release these are all things to take into consideration but i just think as a filmmaker you should be thinking about where the majority of your audience is do they want to log on to a streaming platform do they want to just quickly go on you you know go on a link on open link on youtube 
which everything can be monetized as well. So it just depends and just have those things in mind, I think. And then you'll end up with it in the right home. And you were last on the show last year for the Paris and yeah. Central Film Festival when mm-hmm. you came with the film The Overcoat. which That's is a right. Movie. It was uh, based on a short story. Uh, mm-hmm. so tell us, um, how, did, how, did that particular, how did that film do at the Paris International Film Festival? What happened afterwards? Are we able to watch that film? Or are people who haven't seen it from the Paris International Film Festival able to watch that? Um, there is a feature script of The Overcoat. So not the the uh, writer was not too certain about us getting it released because it would co- I think I think it would compromise the the feature version to be honest with you so that's why it hasn't been um any news about a release online but yeah it did it did quite well it, it did win quite a few awards so I guess I will update you <laughs> on the news on that to be honest with you um but yeah we, the writer just needs to we just need to decide if we're going to just focus on that if he's going to focus on the feature instead Excellent. We can talk about that when we get to the show. <laughs> That's right. Um, Oliver, I want to come back to you. Um, your film, A Tree Fell Today, is currently at the Paris International Film Festival. Are you planning on expanding it into a feature as well as Simone is talking about with the overcoat? Are you planning on expanding A Tree Fell Today into a feature? Um, probably not. I mean, I think there are ways you could go with this. Um and funnily enough, just after we released this, Black Mirror did a similar idea. I don't think we, we did it first, but no one's ever going to believe that. <laughs> um, so, you know, the kind of the concept's been used. I think next for us, there's a, there's a book, which I can't talk too much about, that we've optioned. So that's currently in the process of being written out, kind of a psychological horror, which I think will go. But as, a, as far as the tree fell today, I, I feel we kind of got the message across we wanted to get across. And I've enjoyed taking those characters where uh, they wanted to go, but I don't feel really there's much else I wanted to get across story-wise. And I just feel we did it rather successfully. So it kind of worked. So I didn't really have anything else I wanted to expand from that particular film, but we have a few other bits and pieces that we're in the process of doing. And I have another film called Evolutionary, which is also doing the festival scenes. Now that is something we are expanding out and has a much bigger universe and a comic book and it's a, it's a big bigger story in a bigger world which you can then expand a bit more funnily enough i did want to bring up evolutionary but i was thinking okay do i wait till the end of the interview before i talk about it because the uh, reading the uh, the synopsis on imdb uh, it just says a military led government uh, led government sends out a special forces team to track down an unknown creature in an abandoned warehouse um, you said it, that has, did you say you're working on a comic book? We have a comic book that's, uh, it was out on sale um, for about two years, did pretty well, um, which was made up of the storyboards. And then we kind of filled in a few of the blanks, which went down really well and just has a much bigger world. It's a very different story. I mean, it's, you know, it's everything that as a serious as a tree fell today was, and we had some real messages to get across. We have similar ideals we want to get across in Evo, but it's a lot more adventure action, you know, aliens, guns, gore, um, kind of everything you love about the cinema experience. We kind of really went into that. Yeah, and it's a, it's just a really good, fun, scary science fiction film. Uh, and if, is there any way people can watch that? Because I know you said you did the festival run. I came out in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, that's, that's, so that's still doing, as unfortunately, both of the films ended up 
still doing the festival run. So again, as Simone was saying earlier, you've got to kind of let that process happen. Then you sort of look at avenues in releasing it out the back end, you know, what's best for your movie and what's the best way for you to reach that audience and gain as much traction as possible. So we'll see. I mean, eventually I'm sure all of these things will end up somewhere. It's just which company and how you want to end up putting it out there, really. And I'm a, I'm a huge comic book fan as well, so I'd love to try and get my hands on the comic book. I, I love action comics. As someone who's written their own comic book as well, um, I really am interested in sort of the trans the transmission from comic to screen. I love Sin City, how that goes, uh, how that uh, got transferred to, into screen by Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's good to see that kind of idea as well. I'd, um, next time, whenever you have the opportunity, we'd be happy to bring you back on board uh, to talk about that project if you're if you're willing. Both the comic, hundred oh, percent. And if you drop me a drop me a line, I'll get a copy sent over to you so you can have one oh. as well. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to Simone because Simone was the one doing the producer work, uh, connecting the two of us together. Simone, I always love talking to you. It's fantastic. When you want, when you have your other projects, please feel free to come back on the show and we'll talk more about all of those projects whatever they are so thank you very much for joining us thank you thank you for having us if you do want to follow any of our stuff um with hanging lantern pictures is what we sort of work under so if you have a look on that on instagram and twitter and all that you should be able to catch all the trailers and any information you might want so you say it's hanging lantern hanging lantern pictures hanging lantern pictures we'll post that on the show notes for the podcast when we when we send that out so that people can follow you as well as uh, see more of what you're doing. So thank you very much for joining us uh, on Shoot the Breeze on Resonance FM. We wish you all the best at the Paris International Film Festival with your films, and we hope to speak to you again soon. Fantastic. Listen, thank you very much for having us. listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm joined by one of the filmmakers behind one of the projects that's in the Paris International Film Festival. Please tell us your name and the name of your film. Hi, Marcus. So nice to be here today. My name is Louise Bex Anderson. That is a Danish name. <laughs> and uh, my film is called The Pill. Excellent. So funnily enough, the pill, when we were talking about it over the, uh, when we were setting up this session, um, you mentioned the pill. And in my head, I was thinking, I'd heard of this project sometime. I'd, I'd heard about this project. I don't know where I'd heard about it from. And then immediately cast my mind back. And you even mentioned in your email, some of the people that were involved in it. So we'll come to that in a second. So tell us, what is the film, The Pill, all about? Well, the film... Uh, do you mean the story itself or how it came about? <laughs> we'll, we'll start off with the story and then we'll come into how it came about. Right. Okay. So the film is, um, it's, a, it, it's a story that's set in the future, but it's a very near future. So it's a science fiction drama. And um, basically it's about a young woman that steps into a place that kind of to us looks like a big hotel with a big reception um, there's a lot of mystery going on there because we're not quite sure what it is. And it looks like she's going to go up to one of the bedrooms. We then later find out that there is actually a very big decision for her to make. And um, 
I don't know if I should reveal <laughs> what it's all about, but um, it's obviously about this pill and it's uh, the film is about mental health um, and um, brings up a couple of different debates and really, I think, challenge the viewer on their um, opinions about, well, mental health and also about suicide. And, and as I, was I mentioned earlier, we had a conversation uh, almost, to, almost to the day a year ago with producer Elaine Roberts from yes. a, a Miami producer who had told us about this project she was working on, yeah. which was during COVID, she was working across uh, with uh, producers across the, across the world. Um, and this is the project. So tell us, how did you manage to get working with producers from Miami? Yeah, so it's a very interesting story how all this came about uh, because it all started in a Facebook group, uh, a Facebook group that was founded by a Hollywood editor called Tina Imahara. And um, so in the beginning of the pandemic, she just thought, you know, I'll, I'll have to do something else because all projects were shutting down and there was no work. And, and she's also a certified uh, coach, mentor. So she really wanted to kind of give back after her long career. And she set up this Facebook group to um, help and support and motivate filmmakers around the world. And honestly, I thought when I got that invitation very randomly on Facebook, I thought, oh, my God, another filmmaking group. <laughs> I'm part of so many. And to be honest, um, didn't really get much out of any of them. But this one was very different. And we really started to uh, spend a lot of time together online. So all of a sudden, Zoom meetings became very acceptable <laughs> in our lives. And um, we just connected with so many people from around the world. And um, everyone was very positive, motivating each other, supporting each other. Um, there were filmmakers of all levels, I would say, people who were completely new, just starting out, and others who were, you know, almost acting like uh, our mentors, and um, people with vast experience that would uh, come on on different Zoom meetings and explain how the industry in Hollywood works, and so on and so forth. And at some point, I thought, this is crazy, we're so many people gathered together. Um, with so much talent, why don't we try to make a film in remote? So this was all during lockdown. And I pitched the idea to the group and I said, I have this little script. Um, uh, you know, if you like it, my only request is that I can direct it. And then everyone who wants to work on it, no matter their experience or, you know, whatever can can come on and either work, uh, you know, with having a, a responsibility and a position, or maybe just shadowing someone, or you know, whatever their level of experience allows for them. And that's how we started working on this film as a big group, and um, it ended up kind of being a snowball that uh, just rolled into something really, really, really big. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and we're here with Louise Briggs Anderson, who uh, is uh, presenting the film The Pill, short film, which is in the Paris International Film Festival uh, 2022. Uh, we're just talking about the fact that we heard about this project a year ago. 
when we spoke with Elaine Roberts, and this is a world is a is a worldwide collaboration to get this project done. But this collaboration would not have come about if you hadn't come up with the idea. So tell us what influenced this idea for you. Yeah, so I I've always been very um, drawn to stories and films uh, about taboos and things where you feel like you have to kind of challenge yourself and how you view things. And uh, I think I, I think actually it was an article I saw, I just saw the headline, I didn't even read the article, but I think I saw an article regarding, um, uh, how's it called, euthanasia? You know, like, yeah. Um, and this was in Holland and there was a very young girl that had um, pretty much asked for permission to commit suicide. And um, in Holland, it's actually legal. So they had granted her the permission. Um, and, and that is kind of how the idea came into my mind of how we look at death and how we look at suicide. And is it maybe okay for people to commit suicide? Is it something that we should be more open to or is it horrible and do we need to do everything we possibly can to you know try and treat people and help people and 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 avoid uh, suicide so it's a difficult subject and i thought it was something that was very interesting to explore and the more i kind of dug into this subject the more i realized that it's something that touches a lot of people's lives whether they have had suicide um, in their family or friends, or maybe they have even been suicidal themselves. It is really something that touches a lot of people's lives and something that is a huge taboo in our society. We don't speak openly about this. And as a taboo subject, did you get any kind of pushback from anywhere when you were working on the project? No, actually not. Um, I was... I have to say I was very surprised of how many people wrote to me or contacted me um, to tell me how it had affected them to watch the film um, and, and see how the film treated the subject. Because as I said before, it's a science fiction film. So um, it's not your typical drama. I mean, it's a little bit exaggerated, some of it. Um, I'm kind of trying to make a statement in the film as well um and so but a lot of people thought it was really a film that uh, allowed for them to discuss it afterwards with people maybe they have seen it with or reflect on it um even people who had not had any experience so to speak with with suicide but simply it made them reflect on what is my opinion about this and i think i i don't think you can get a better compliment as a director if people tell you that their film made them think and made them reflect so absolutely any filmmaker <laughs> i've often heard that you you could the, the best thing a filmmaker can hope for with their film is is whether whether people like it or not like it no you want people to either really like it or really not like it but at least it means it sparks a conversation the last thing you want is for people to just be meh about your subject. Yeah, and, and the, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The subject of your film is, uh, is, a, is a very important one. It's one that, very, that touches people 
in various stages of their life. So it's it's an excellent topic to cover. I can't wait to watch the film. You listen to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm speaking with Louise Bricks Anderson, who's talking about her film, The Pill, that's showing at Paris International Film Festival. It's running from, the, from February 10th to February 20th. Now, I know people can get to watch this film uh, in the festival. Um, do you have any other avenues that you're going to be showing this film? Or are you planning on turning this film into a feature that you can expand later on? Yeah, at the moment it's doing its festival circuit. Um, I know if anybody is going to be in uh, Napa in California, <laughs> it's going to have another screening there. Um, you can actually go to the website of the film and it's called thepillthefilm.com um, to get a little bit more um, information and photos and also information about the team. You can also uh, look up me on Facebook, for example, because I or Instagram, because I always post all the latest news about the film and where you can watch it. And yes, I am actually thinking of turning this into um, a feature film. This is something I really, really want to do because I think there is a lot more story than just that short film, little short film that we did. It's a 15 minute film, um, but there is a much, much deeper story behind that I would love to explore. So that is definitely a thing for the near future for me to do. <laughs> and how can people follow you on social media? Um, well, my name is Luisa Brix. That's uh, B-R-I-X. And then Anderson. And it's not your typical American or Swedish version of Anderson with S-O-N in the end. <laughs> it's the Danish version, which is Anderson with S-E-N at the end um if you look me up on instagram or facebook linkedin uh, you'll probably find me with that with that name excellent we're going to put this on these show notes for the podcast when it goes out so that people can follow awesome. you and get to learn more about the film we wish you all the best success uh, on the festival run especially in the paris international film festival louise thank you very much for joining us today and talking to us about your film the film Thank you so much, Marcus. And can I just say one more thing? I'm Absolutely. actually publishing a book on remote filmmaking. I am aiming for March 8th. So if you're interested in knowing more about how to do online collaborations, um, I go through the whole filmmaking process and how to do it in remote uh, via this book. So very excited about that. So another reason for looking me up and finding is, out where to buy the book. That is fantastic. We're, we're definitely going to get you on before March to talk about the book. I've got your website. Okay, cool. Your website is www.louisebrix.com. Louisebrix.com. So we're going to bring you back on uh, just before May so we can talk more about the book and more about your work uh, in uh, remote filmmaking. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Marcus. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. Uh, and we have with us the filmmakers behind the film Silent River. They're going to introduce themselves. I'll start with the director and the director will lead through either through the uh, lead actor or the cinematographer, whomever he chooses to go with. So director, please introduce yourself. 
Hi, my name is Chris Chan Lee. I'm the writer director of the feature film Silent River. And with us are two other uh, principals on our film, our lead actor and producer, Wes Liang, and our director of photography, Norbert Chia. Fantastic. Welcome, Chris. Welcome, West. Welcome, Norbert. Hi, thanks for having us. So, Chris, let's start with you. Chris, okay. since you're the writer director, tell us what your film Silent River is all about. Silent River is about a man who who checks in at a remote hotel in the desert. He's on his way to reconcile with his ex, but while he's at the hotel, he encounters this other mysterious woman who's a guest at the hotel as well. And what begins to unravel is he gets very involved in in her cause and her 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 goals. And it starts to become a mind-bending film about a man who is trying to re come to resolution with his past, but is also uh, learning new things about himself and these new relationships that he's forming in the, at this hotel. Uh, it, it becomes sort of a purgatory story, you know, and we play with sense of reality. We develop our own vocabulary and uh, a set of rules, and we really play with the expectations of the audience while we're telling this story about mortality, you know, and about reconciliation. You've mentioned uh, one bit in that I do want to come back to, but Chris, I will come back to that in a second. But Wes, I want to jump to you uh, first. So you collaborated with Chris on this project. What drew you specifically to the role that you're playing in this in this film? Um, well, what drew me initially, you know, on a macro level was just my, my enthusiasm and interest in working with uh, Chris. He's, you know, one of the modern godfathers of, of Asian American cinema, and he's got a really, really interesting taste. Um, so it came from that uh, in, in a professional sense. Um, we've been friends, so there was a, a mutual interest in collaborating. Um, but once we identified the kind of story that we wanted to tell, um, which would be kind of a micro budget, something that we can you know get into without a lot of outside sources trying to uh, change the story, we wanted to uh, get into a story that resembles the kind of stories that got both of us into this industry of storytelling, which was bold, uh, which was uh, uh, experimental in some ways, but also potentially, um, I don't want to use the word groundbreaking per se, but something that can really um, impact a young mind out there watching a film and say, oh, I didn't know that movies could be this way. I didn't know that um, there could be, um, you know, a lead protagonist uh, who is Asian American, where the story doesn't touch upon identity issues. I didn't know that stories could time travel and, and things like that. And those are stories that we somehow both left during our profession because we wanted to go out there and, and you know, get on TV and make big films. But during that process, we all came back and Chris says, you know, I kind of want to go back to making the kind of films that really impressed me when I started out. And that got me thinking and that got me salivating. So um, that's why, basically, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to jump to Norbert to ask uh, a question to him, but I want you, Chris and Wes, to, to, you've opened the door. So I want you to start thinking of some of those films that you that influenced you uh, as you were developing as, as filmmakers. And I will come back to you to get you to name check some of those. But Norbert, I want to throw to you as a cinematographer of this film, uh, if someone was coming to, had no idea what this film was about, uh, but they just wanted to come and see it from 
a from a director of photography point of view, from an aesthetic, just the visuals. What sort of influences would did you have that basically that you wanted to use in this film that other people can say, right, okay, I like this, I like that, so I'm going to love their, this particular film. So, what influences did you allow to influence this film from your perspective? Yeah, so a lot of our references came from possibly noir films. We were interested in noir. We we're interested in lots of still photography, um, kind of moody. Uh, Gregory Crutzen was a little bit in there for just looking at uh, spaces. Um, Nan Golden, a little bit. Todd Hito. We were looking at this idea of the hotel and trying to give it a sense of character outside of just being a space that these these um, the film's protagonists inhabit. And it, it was also us trying to look at it uh, as a space like Purgatory that Chris mentioned. There's a journey of kind of the main character through various uh, you know, hero's journeys. So it does go through his mind and kind of changing it up in various ways. So I, I think that that was kind of that we had visually going in. Excellent. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're speaking with the filmmakers behind the film Silent River. We've got Chris Chan Lee, we've got Wes Liang, and we've got Norbert. Is it Norbert Shea? Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yep. Uh, Now, perfect. Oh, I butcher people's names on this all the time. I'm 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 renowned for that. That's that. I'm I'm not going to. I'm not even going to apologize for it anymore. Uh, Chris, Chris, I want to jump to you. You mentioned something that you mentioned when you were describing the film. You said that you crafted your own language. And immediately that got me thinking of uh, the Coen brothers in films like uh, Miller's Crossing and um, uh, Ryan Johnson with Brick, where he, they, they basically wanted to sort of, they, they made it difficult for the audience. They, they didn't make it an easy ride mm. for the audience. They created their own words that weren't, well, not necessarily words, but, um, uh, you know, language, essentially, as they were talking through through the film. Uh, with you developing your own language, you guys developing your own language in this film, what sort of process did you go uh, did you go through in order to create certain words that would represent other things and still not necessarily lose your audience, but work in conjunction with the film? What process did you go through? Basically, uh, it, it, it always came back to the script, you know, as well as uh, our unique influences and uh, inspiration, points of inspiration. Um, but but really, um, the way we approach this is funny because uh, we were de very determined to make a film uh, by any means necessary, you know? And um, I have several projects and several scripts that are at different levels of uh, production value and resources and everything. And um, but this this particular movie, you were like, if we want to make a movie today, right now, um, what could we do? And the, the the approach that we took was by reverse engineering it. We had access to a hotel location that we could use. Uh, we we could fully you know uh, uh, use use as our backdrop. So what can we do in this space? And let's keep it really really focused and simple, so that way we're not distracted by physical company moves of having to go to different locations and all those sorts of things that take up a lot of time. But we could just really focus on uh, this one space and telling our story here, you know? Um, 
So it was really like getting to know the physicality of the space and then backtracking and reverse engineering from there. Uh, well, you know, we had our core team of actors and Norbert and I also did the, these tech scouts and everything. And, and we shared a lot of, um, we created lookbooks, you know, some visual references of some of the photographers and, and filmmakers that Norbert mentioned. Um, and then uh, basically when we discussed coming up with the vocabulary of the film, it was one building block at a time, creating our set of rules for, for this world that lives in this, in this film, you know? And it has its own kind of crazy logic, but there's also consistency to it so that the world is cohesive. And West, along the same lines, where you know that, um, where you know that these new words are being invented for the script, as an actor, I, obviously I know there's gonna be that element where you'd wanna to stick to the script when you're delivering your performance. But again, as an actor who you want to imbue yourself into the role, you want to you know, live in that role itself, you may have certain words that you want, you want to, to, to speak in the voice of the character. How did you find working with language that wasn't your own, that was made up for this film? Uh, did that stifle your sense of creativity, your sense of improvisation, or did you not even allow for the sake of improvisation? You didn't allow that at all. You stuck with the script completely. What was your approach to, um, knowing that this was your structure? Uh, yeah, great question, uh, Marcus. Um, I, I think um, to begin with, like every filmmaking endeavor is such a collaboration. This was no different. Um, collaborating between all the different departments. And when, we, when we're talking about vocabulary there's not just spoken vocabulary but norbert was instrumental in creating some sort of visual vocabulary as well and and i did the same thing uh what is the physicality of uh elliot you know as an example the, the his physical ailments uh was a physical vocabulary that i had to come up with and in terms of the world building that was very much in chris's hands uh, as a writer director although he was very open to to suggestions and influence i felt that once we got out of the development process where Chris and I were talking every day about the story, about the characters, once we got out of that development process, which was probably three, four weeks before we started shooting, I remember distinctly leaving that alone and putting my actor's hat on. Um, and what that meant for me was I'm going to give myself permission to challenge Chris not just as a collaborator, but as a director, because that's my job. And so I, I didn't necessarily have any problems with the world building vocabulary, but I was very much in touch with the emotionality of Elliot and what he was going through. And I think as much as you can change the vocabulary for everything else, as human beings, what we go through emotionally is there's truth consistently throughout you know, all cultures and, and, and experiences. We were dealing with a character who's confronting heartbreak, confronting life and death in some ways about what he's going to do. And he's also confronting a little bit of childlike curiosity with meeting a brand new person. So there's a friendship kind of like blossoming as well. So, so all those kinds of emotions were still at the core in terms of truth, but how Chris and we were able to articulate that for this film was very different. How I moved as Elliot, 
how I think Norbert was deciding to shoot us and, and, you know, all that stuff, I think coalesce came together. Hopefully there is, there is an emotional truth in the story when people watch it, you know, that there's something that they can connect to uh, at the end. And thank you for bringing that up. You, you mentioned with Norbert constructing a visual vocabulary for this film. Norbert, you, you mentioned earlier that the motel is essentially symbolizing some sort of purgatory. So if, if I were to interpret your idea of purgatory being that bit in the afterlife between earth and between heaven, I'm very drawn to stories that, that involve purgatory because everybody has their own vision of what purgatory is. What visual vocabulary did you create to describe your vision and Chris's vision of what purgatory is supposed to be? I think a lot of it was trying to explore um, how time functions in the film. And a lot of the blocking in the scenes, we ended up out of necessity due to production schedule, but also just trying to push the boundaries of what scenes could do and I think a lot of it is trying to compress lots of things together in the visual storytelling, but also just how it plays with the characters through blocking, through how the camera moves, um, through seeing a lot of those things in real time. Um, and then also just playing with day and night. I think a lot of the visuals, you're not quite sure what time it is during the film or if time starts jumping. If it's like there's a shot in the film where it is literally changing from day to night but also just never quite knowing your sense of time, never quite knowing sense of place. Um, and it's just always being stuck there. And I think that visually of feeling claustrophobic and sense of not knowing. Excellent. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have the filmmakers behind the film Silent River, Chris Chan Lee, West Liang and Norbert Shear. The film is in the Paris International Film Festival, which is running from the 10th of February to the 20th of February. One last uh, couple of questions I want to ask before we wrap up. Uh, Chris, I'll throw the question to you. Uh, uh, the music composition, because obviously we've talked about the, uh, the acting, we've talked about the directing, we've talked about the cinematography. Uh, music composition, what, uh, can you talk to us a little bit uh, about uh, what went into the score? film, how it influenced both your direction, the cinematography, and it accompanied uh, West's acting. Yes, absolutely. Um, our score was uh, written and composed by Brian Ralston. It was really very instrumental to the film. Uh, he actually did some really wonderful things. He used some very peculiar instruments that almost look sci-fi in, in their own way. Like He literally used like this wooden box with all these crazy attachments. I don't recall exactly what it's called, but it, it's to make very unique, somewhat percussive and resonant sounds. Uh, we also went to a facility where he recorded the guts of a piano that was very aged and had its own unique tones and characteristics, as well as more traditional live instrumentation. Um, and uh, it plays a critical role in the film because uh, sometimes it supports what we're seeing, the visual activity that we're seeing, but other times it definitely offers some counterpoint and it becomes sort of an omniscient presence in the movie. It's a, it's a, it's an unseen character that coexists in the film and, and definitely helps us 
play with that sense of reality or non-reality and helps bring us into the psychological moment that the characters are experiencing. And we're going to include a sample of the score at the end of this episode, just to, to give a little bit more uh, of an understanding uh, to uh, the, the very weird abstract way you described it. I, I, I'm, I can't wait to hear the score just because of how you've described it was created. So, uh, yeah, Marcus, if I can add, uh, yes. if I can piggyback uh, on what Chris says, I, I think, I think, you know, a lot of people who've watched this film have said, oh, it's, it's very, they use the word Lynchian or Kubrick, you know, um, and, and, and that's absolutely true. But one of the, one of the, the quirky aspects and characters of this film that I love a lot is it almost reminds me of a great novel, a Murakami novel, as an example, where you're able to get into the nuances of a character. And in some ways, that's, I think, uh, the, the wonderful function of Brian's score in some ways is that it, it, it almost, it's, it's almost like a river that takes the viewer down, you know, whether you want to call it a narrator or, or, or a guide in some ways that takes you through this experience, this adventure, um, which is very different from a lot of mainstream films because a lot of mainstream films are so on the nose that they're basically just bullet pointing the story and you don't need a guide. And this movie feels like reading a novel to me, where a lot of times you're you're spending your time watching what's happening, but you're also spending your time talking to yourself about what you're watching, what you're reading per se, in, in an example of a novel. So that's what I love about Brian's score also. Oh, and, and Wes, just coming to you, you brought up Lynch and Kubrick. I did ask you to think about some of the influences that you had growing up and developing as a as an actor, as a filmmaker. So can you give us some of those influences that you entered towards? For me as an actor, obviously, you know, the, the kind of like, you know, a US American kind of like renaissance of, of the late 60s, 70s, you know, Pacino, De Niro, you know, Brando. But for me, the, the quirky sensibilities of a movie like Chinatown was really, really kind of like uh, something that I, I loved and we talked about. Um, obviously Lynch as well, but I'm sure Chris and Norbert can yeah, let's let's move to Chris. Chris, you can give your influences, and then we'll finish off with that uh, Norbert. When I when I was growing up, like a lot of things that I really loved and enjoyed and learned from were things like Hitchcock films and a lot of films from uh, seminal films from the seventies. And and then I I went further back in time when I went to film school and was more exposed to world cinema in different eras. Um, but what was fun about this movie is the whole reason why I went into this business and decided to become a filmmaker was because of the time when I first experienced David Lynch's Blue Velvet. And that sort of blew my mind about the possibilities, right, of creating a new, unique world and having a very personal vision. Uh, and, and that has always been sort of a touchstone for me uh, in terms of getting inspired to find my, my own voice or develop my own voice. Um, outside of that, I mean, there's so many great filmmakers, and there's a lot of exciting things going on in world cinema today. So there, there are a lot of places to find inspiration, absolutely. But I love when people have had likened this film to, say, Mulholland Drive or Blue Velvet or something, because that's actually why I got started in this whole thing to begin with. Excellent. So we've got Lynch uh, comparison there in, in the film. I like Blue Velvet. Mulholland Drive messed me up a little bit and I kind of stayed away from Lynch. But uh, yeah, I, I do like some of Lynch's work. Um, 
Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, obviously, everybody, a lot of people know the TV show Twin Peaks. Norbert, let's jump to yourself. What were your influences? Or what have been your influences, not just with Silent River, but in developing yourself as a filmmaker? For me, it was a lot of world cinema. I, I think watched a lot of Antonioni, watched a lot of Wong Kar Wai, Godard, all those guys were just so seminal to, for me to just develop a visual. Um, and they just did so much to push the boundaries of film. Um, and for me, it was probably watching Antonioni's Red Desert or probably watching The Passenger that really just like drew me in in storytelling, just being so key. I mean, the last shot to The Passenger just blows my mind every time I watch it. Fantastic. Uh, so I want to thank all of you for coming down and joining us on Shoot the Breeze to talk about your film, Silent River, which is playing at the International Film Festival from the 10th to the 20th of February. Uh, we wish you all manner of success. We can already see it's already some accolades on the festival run. Um, have you already secured distribution for it or festival run your way of being able to try and get a, a distribution avenue? Yeah, we're on the festival track. Uh, we, we just started this a few months ago. So we're hoping to develop awareness uh, during the festival route. Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting challenge, right? Because even at the festivals, we have to connect with our audiences and identify how to communicate our film to them uh, in terms of reaching the core audience of this particular movie. So it's 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 also a, a kind of a learning process. It's it's like a te test grounds before we go to commercial distribution. And uh, if you'd like, we can learn more about the film at the website silentrivermovie.com. That is fantastic. I'm also was going to get your social media links. We can put it on the show notes for the. Uh, the episode when it goes out but we'll definitely put the website address on there as well so we can send it out so thank you very much west chris and norbert for joining us on shoot the breeze today thank you so much for having us thank you yes
And, and there you have it. Some of the filmmakers whose films are going to be running in the Paris International Film Festival, which is going to the 20th of February, 2022. The film festival is directed by our good friend, Jenna Suru. Give her all the love. Go check out the film festival. Check out all the wonderful films that are going to be there and see all the emerging filmmakers who will most likely become household names in the next few years. I uh, want to say thank you all very much for having sat down and listened to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I want to thank Resonance FM for giving us the opportunity to keep on doing this show over and over again. You have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer Dave. Dan, thank you very much for listening. Speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.